Okay, let's talk about sex. Did you know that, quote, unnatural sex that we read about in the Bible is any sex that's not procreative? One theme emerged that shifted our view of the non-affirming church and drove our deconstruction. That theme is the motivation to protect the institution even as it diminishes and even destroys the people within. So today, we'll look at patriarchy and misogyny and how harmful and endemic they are. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday so I call you up and you call me down? Would it be okay? Well, hello again and welcome to the Freed Hearts Podcast, episode 26. So glad to be with you today. My name is Robert Cottrell and I'm sitting across the table from... Susan Cottrell. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? It's raining outside where we are. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Just a minute ago, we had had hail. And I'm thinking, I wonder if they're going to be able to hear that on the behind our voices, but then the sun came out and the hail went away. Welcome to Seattle. (laughs) Um, So today we're going to talk about patriarchy, misogyny in the church. Yeah, some light topics today. So patriarchy, misogyny in the church. And when we talk about this kind of thing, again, we have to give you a trigger warning, a uh, kind of a faith disclaimer here that, that we address religion so we can dismantle the roadblocks to love and inclusion We don't want you to go to church or go back to church or leave the church. That's not what we're about. But we want to free you from this conversation in your head that sometimes is ingrained so deeply about all of this. And so if you get triggered by talk about faith issues, we get it. We don't blame you in the least. If you've been hurt or excluded in this way, we're so sorry. We want to help prevent that kind of, of, of heartache and exclusion from happening. So this is a trigger warning because we want you to be safe. We'll talk about these things only to disarm them and to help you heal from the harm that's been done and to prevent harm in the future. We care about your heart. We love you so much. We care about your heart and your safety and your well-being. And we are so glad you are here. And this is a safe podcast. Yes. So patriarchy, misogyny. Did you have something? I can inhale. Yeah. No, not yet. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We got our act together. Um, we can take it on the If road. you're confused, I mean, we, we talk about these things. Again, patriarchy, misogyny, the church. So if you're confused about some of the roles, r- rules that have been conveyed to you, things you're supposed to do and um, uh, not do and all these rules that you have, if they seem sometimes mean <laughs> or out of place or not in line with... Mm-hmm. Commands like love God and love others, love your neighbors yourself, above all else, love. Um, you know, not in line with with lifting up the least of these. Yeah. What's behind that is this underlying current of patriarchy and misogyny within the church. Yeah. If it does feel mean, your instinct is right. Yep. It is mean, those things that are happening. So one theme that emerged that shifted our view of the non-affirming or the rules-based church drove our reconstruction. And that De- deconstruction. Or, sorry, <laughs> deconstruction. And that theme is the drive to protect the institution, even as it diminishes or even destroys the people within. Mm. We began when we began to see that, it was like, 
Holy smokes, everything makes sense now. By contrast... You know, let me back up for yeah. a second on that. We've talked in the past about one of the first questions that, that parents will ask when their child comes out is, oh my gosh, what will the church say? Yeah. What will my friends say? What are people going to think about me? Well, we have heard from a number of even of powerful evangelical pastors who have become personally affirming, but they just can't or won't take the leap yep. to bring their church there because, oh my gosh, what will people think? Yes. You know, even, even, so it's the institution, it's the church over what's happening as a result of this church's uh, yeah. beliefs and actions. And to the people. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, when we get letters from mothers, most of the ones I get are from mothers. We get them from dads too, and and also from LGBT. Uh, and that's equal with mothers. And what we get a lot when we hear from mothers is, I'm not concerned about God. What I'm afraid of is the church. <laughs> that's a horrible horrible place to be. Mm. And it's a real indictment. If you're afraid of the church, it's an indictment of the church that you're afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. And by contrast, Jesus' teachings were all about empowering the people and deconstructing the institution of rejection, patriarchy, misogyny, and racism. That's what made me realize I really didn't want anything to do with the institution. Yeah. I love the teachings. I love the teachings. I live by the teachings. But the institution is another matter altogether. So today, we'll take a look at patriarchy and misogyny and how harmful and endemic they are. You know, there's the the song Amazing Grace, and it says, I was blind, but now I see. Yeah. We, we talked about this last episode, I think, but we Inside that sealed box of the non-affirming church, we had no idea. We just didn't see it. We got little glimpses sometimes yeah. because we always kind of irritated leaders. Yeah. Um, but we got little glimpses, but we didn't really see it. As we look back now, it's like, holy beep. Yeah. Um, you know, it's and we just were, so we were the clear. good ones. We were the nice ones. We weren't <laughs> extreme and, and legalistic. Yeah. And still... It's the things so, we didn't see. It's so prevalent. And, yeah. and, and we see it so clearly now. Yeah. And we want that for you as well. Yeah. So, you know, wealth, wealth and power, honestly, are created by managing the labor of others. Mm. Wow. The more people you control, the greater your wealth. More people means more soldiers to advance your economic and political will. And have we not seen that lately with current events? More people means more labor for you to exploit for profit. Yeah. Have we seen slavery? So wealth and power, it's funny, but wealth and power are created by inflicting that power on the powerless. Yeah. On those over whom you have control. Yeah. And from this comes the following base beliefs. So here we go. All right. So why are we going to go into this, this particular direction here about sex and homosexuality and children and sex acts and things like that? What is this? How does this relate to what we're talking about? Well, because the non-affirming church and religious leaders um, have used it 
to keep people yeah. controlled. Yeah. So as we deal with the LGBTQ community, deal with, that's a harsh, that's an impersonal word. As we love on the LGBTQ community. And love on's a little creepy too. But uh, as we. Hey, you know what I mean. Yeah. As we. Care for. Yeah. As, as we, we come alongside. With, come alongside. Come alongside. There we go. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be creepy. <laughs> You're not creepy. It's in my gender anyway, so. <laughs> it's not you. So it's not me. Um, there's so much of this to control, you know, who you love, how you love, what's right, what's yeah. wrong. Part of that, I mean, that's a big part of what those in power are, are using this kind of patriarchy and misogyny within the church to address this issue through this kind of control. Yeah, just think about that. Why would a religious leader need to know what you're doing in your bedroom, unless you're abusing somebody, why would any leadership, why would an institution need to know that? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, sometimes it's so no one looks in their bedroom, but that's a whole nother well, thing. That's true. Slide um, hand, red herring. Yeah. So from this comes the following base beliefs. Number one, sex is only for procreation. The more babies, the better. Now, we also know, let's let's say why that was such a prominent part of Old Testament scripture was because that was a threatened people group. Yes. Yeah. And it, they were trying to navigate their survival through being enslaved by Babylonians and, and dispersed yeah. in various areas and annihilated. So making sure they didn't die out was right. was the motivation behind a lot of these right. things that are used way out of context now. That's right. Sex is only for procreation. Right. Birth control is absolutely forbidden. Why? The more babies, the better. Right. Homosexuality is absolutely forbidden. Why? Doesn't produce any babies. Right. You know? Um, a child produced by rape or incest is still useful. <laughs> Again, it's still furthers the line. Therefore, the woman must carry that child of rape to term. Yes. Sexual acts between a husband and a wife that cannot lead to procreation are forbidden. What? We've kind of, wait, what? We we'll kind get of, to that. Kind of thrown that out. Uh-huh. Um, and in order to keep the patriarchy in power, women shall be encouraged or coerced to be the primary caretakers of children. This limits a woman's access to education, career advancement, holding public office. It keeps them down. It keeps them, quote, in their place. And it keeps men in power. Yeah. So that's, that's the basis, the base belief through, uh, on which so much of the, quote, attack or condemnation of the LGBTQ community comes from. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about sex for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our podcast uh, <laughs> listeners just skyrocketed. Yeah, right, right. No. Did you know that that term that's used in the New Testament of unnatural sex mm-hmm. that we read about, that is any sex that's non-procreative? Wait, you got to say that again because that's a big, one of the big clobber passages. Yes. That talks about that this, that sex is not natural. Right. But unnatural sex, as it's presented in the Bible, is any sex that is non-procreative. So, you know, it's like anything but straight, (laughs) straight up, we're going to have a baby kind of sex. Anything other than that. Even that kind of sex at the wrong time of the month is called unnatural. 
Now, gay sex by definition is non-procreative. But I think, I think that straight people also have non-procreative sex sometimes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 Or what about that? I'm being very facetious. I hope you got that. Or think about the couple who's been married 50 years, long past having children. Are they supposed to not have sex now because their sex is unnatural? Or they're infertile. Or they're, yeah, or they're know, infertile, or they're not going to have yeah. children for whatever reason. Is their marriage not valid because of that? Right. Or is is, this, is, they're is, not supposed to have sex? Right. That's the interpretation that has been handed down to us by this patriarchal system. It is. Only in the last, I think, hundred years has that changed, that unnatural sex definition changed. Mm. And and that part about women should not teach. Yeah, can you talk a bit about oh. this? About the like the moral majority of the seventies and how and how that really fueled that that this that LGBTQ was not really an a thing a, a thing or not not to be a, despised yeah not a moral ethical kind of thing until the seventies and yeah. what happened it was in the sort 70s? of an un, under the radar thing and then Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and I'm not sure who else created the moral majority because they needed. They wanted to enter the political arena. And to do that, you need to raise money and you need to galvanize your power base. And to do that, you need a common enemy. And they chose LGBTQ as the common enemy. That's historic fact. And some other issues on that, quote, moral high ground. Yes, that they were claiming moral high ground. And at the time, there were bumper stickers that said, the moral majority is neither which is, I think, true. It was not a majority and it's not moral. Uh, but if if you were around in the 70s, you remember how big a deal that was. Suddenly everybody's preaching against homosexuality and Anita Bryant and her whole thing. And she, you know, really made it this big thing. Mm. Um, her son has disavowed that later and said it was a huge mistake for her. It was, it was wrong of her. Um, so, yeah, there was a whole movement for political power. Yeah. Mm. And control. That's and right. Control. And, and control within the church and, and yes. financial selfishness and personal gain and all kinds yes. of things like that. Yes. It's amazing. You talk about Anita Bryant's son, and there seems to be a pattern here <laughs> of, of some of these fundamentalist, not affirming preachers and their children being very, very different. Um, just a little. Yeah. Example and shout out if you want to, you want to, so two actually, Jay Baker, who is the son of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, and also Abraham Piper, who is the son of John Piper. So if you want to go have some fun, go look up uh, Abraham Piper on social media and watch some of his TikToks. And yes, they're great. It's it's great. You're like, oh my gosh, this is a product of that legalism, and he has disavowed all of it. And the thing of it is, that if this kind of straight and narrow patriarchal teaching doesn't work for your children, where children are disavowing it, then you have to really question it when it systematically the children are saying, this doesn't work. Then it's time to reevaluate the teaching. If it stood alone and made sense, then they would be following it too. When last week we talked about what happens when you do question the system, when you do it, you're just dismissed. You're dismissed. You're isolated, you're kicked out, you're dismissed because you're then a threat to anything that will 
crack open that box. And like you yeah. said numerous times, you know, what we discovered is when you open the box you have got in, all heaven breaks loose. Right. And it completely undermines, um, in the best way, this kind of patriarchy and misogyny yeah. and power, but it frees you up. And it's yes. amazing to do that. Josh Harris is another one who wrote um, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. It was hugely popular. Yeah, the purity culture. Purity culture. Well, he has disavowed all of it. He regrets all of it. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's talk about women in the church yeah. and, and their roles. So there's that part about women should not teach or be pastor in, uh, or or pastor or be in really any position of power except childcare and food. No, we had a situation with someone very close to us, and we were at a a small seminar with a an incredibly powerful, profound woman teaching yeah. about prayer. It's the late. Uh, Jennifer Kennedy Dean. Yeah. And yeah. in the middle of this, this person that we were with who, who we were close to got up and left. And I went out to the hallway and, and this person was a young man. And, uh, and he said, I said, what's up? Are you okay? Are you not feeling well? And he said, well, I can't sit there. And I said, why not? He said, she's a woman. She has nothing to teach me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my, I didn't even know what to do. How do you respond to that? But that well, the interesting part of that is she was a woman when he walked in the room too, and and so you had I wondered what she had said that he didn't want to look at, and huh. so he left because she was a woman the whole entire time. Well, and that's and what that turns into then is yeah, it's fine until they start to challenge a core belief right. or or say something that's a threat to this person's not only beliefs, but their power and influence. What happens when that happens with this person's mother or this person's wife right, right. in the future? It, it, is, it is misogyny, pure and simple. Absolutely. And Anne Graham Lotz, who is Billy Graham's daughter, who, you know, might be as qualified as any in that line to speak for that kind of group. The first time she preached, a whole enclave of pastors in the audience turned their backs and sat with their backs to her. It's like, oh, are you kidding me? I would, mm. You knew I was a woman. Why are you here? Yeah. If that is so objectionable. Because they had to voice their dissent. Yeah, so but, again, they're as you said, they're allowed to have roles like, you know, well, you can run the, men, right. the women's ministry or child care. Yeah, kind of and this is not based on the Bible. Philip had four daughters in the New Testament, had four daughters who were prophets. Mm. Do you hear that taught about? Not very often, no. And of course, Deborah won the war and Esther saved the kingdom, you know, and those were just women whose stories survived the patriarchal telling. So we need to stop and look at everything Jesus, every interaction with women. It was incredibly respectful and uplifting and venerating of them. So let's stop pretending God has no use for women except cooking, cleaning, and raising children. Uh That's patriarchal men you're thinking of. Well, Interestingly, Jesus trusted a woman with sharing the news. Right. Again, this is, you know, that he was risen. So, you know, I just, yes. The yes. first ones to come. Yeah, the, the first the, ones the to come. The last ones to leave, the first <laughs> ones to come were women. And he, they are the ones that he shared with. And mm. there's, all, there's all kinds of women leaders throughout the whole New Testament church in Acts that, you know, are kind of overlooked. 
Yeah. What do you do about this, Susan? What do you, I mean, it's, it's so last episode we, you know, did everyone sigh on the count of three, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> we can feel like, oh gosh, this is so, it's so prevalent. And when you, when you think, well, I'm going to change this in my church and then you bring it up, then you're isolated and you're dismissed and you're, and you're, you're shunned from your community yeah. and, and all those kind of things. And so kind of, why and, are we doing this? Yeah. So, well, so yeah. So what, what do you do with it? Yeah. What do we do with this? I know that some people out there and we've, we've, talked about this countless times with individuals is that whether or not you stay in a non-affirming church, um, if you have a gay child, in other words, you, you stay there or you leave is between you and, and the spirit. It's, it's, it's your choice. There's not a, a right or wrong choice in that. Um, but when faced a lot of with, variables, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, when faced with this kind of system, this kind of patriarchy and misogyny that, we just gave examples, mm-hmm. been around for 2,000 years or, th- or thousands of years. What, what do we do in this? I mean, I, I don't want to just share this and, and, and have everyone go, well, that sucks. And then yeah, what do we're we not do doing, this? We're not doing this to bash the church. We're really not. We're doing this to say, hey, don't, don't let yourself be gaslighted. What you're experiencing is real. We're naming something so you'd say, oh, I understand. It's like a, mm. a trans person that sees someone on TV that's trans and says, oh, that, that's a name for what I've been feeling and I didn't realize it. And so it's that kind of yeah. thing. naming something to give you permission to, to experience what you're experiencing and call it out and say, okay, okay, now I need, now I get to make some decisions based on what I'm seeing but I'm not crazy. I'm not, it's not me. It's not, it's not mm. you, it's them, honestly. And so it's to give permission and help yeah. bring life to where you are. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting too that some of the stories that we love the most uh, that are told about Jesus are his individual interactions with, with people yeah. and the change it made in their life. And he was much more interested than impacting that, letting the person know who was right in front of him that they're loved and that they're worthy and that they don't deserve the treatment that they've been given than any kind of, you know. Institution. Uh, yeah, institution. Yeah. And so sometimes it's, we feel like, well, I can't change the institution. So what, what, what should I do? And it's yeah. really the next person who's in front of you. Yeah. You know, yeah. the next person who's in front of you. Well, and it's, um, well, it's interesting that all of the, anytime you see Jesus angry, like spitting angry in the Bible, it is at religious leaders. <laughs> at the system and that religious it's leaders. It's at the religious system and the religious men running it who are abusing people in their care and pretending that God is behind them. That's what he gets mad about. He's never mad at the regular person. And and so according to Jesus, the least trustworthy person for counsel or wisdom or insight or correction is a religious leader. (laughs) Now that let that sink in. Yeah. The least trustworthy person is a religious leader. Mm. 
because those are the ones he got angry at for abusing people with their power. So don't don't hesitate to call what you see, at least to yourself. You may not be able yeah. to do it to that person. You probably won't without paying the price. Yeah. And those you love. But and, you can and, own it yourself. And, and convey that. Yeah. You know, share your journey with those you love and, and convey that. Oh, you're, you have to be safe. That's your highest priority. But, yes. Yeah. But yes, as yeah. you're able to do it. So let's wrap this up here. I just want to say that um, once you accept all of these non-affirming, I'm sorry, once you accept that all of these non-affirming Christian rules about marriage, sex, and procreating are intended, the purpose is to protect and build the patriarchy. It all begins to make sense. And when it begins to make sense, you begin to have peace and freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with morality. Honestly, it's about power and money and keeping men in charge. We hope this episode helps you understand more of what's happening and why. So you can become, so your heart can become even more free. Yes. That's what we want for you. That's what you deserve. That's what serves you well to free your heart, to love and and be loved. And part of that is understanding how just wonderfully worthy and loved you are and standing against all the things in the systems that have told you anything otherwise. Any other message than that is a lie. Yeah. Anything that hurts like that, that hurts or is mean is abusive. And we don't want that for you. We want your heart to be free. That's why we're here. Yes. So we love you dearly. We love you dearly. And we will talk to you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www dot freedhearts.org just come say hello and if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast things you'd like us to talk about reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org the music is provided by hannah cottrell our daughter the grammy nominated saint sinner and you can find out more about her at hey saint sinner please share this subscribe and follow on your favorite platform and thanks for listening